Hi, welcome everyone to Pop Cult X episode 102, Into the Triple Digits. Uh, so once again, we are a pop, cult, uh, pop culture uh, YouTube podcast uh, from the perspective of a Gen X average guy kind of uh average guy average. <laughs> okay yeah you're right average i don't know so uh, anyway that's us uh and uh thanks for tuning in um so let's go ahead and get into it danny what have you been up to uh i've been busy watching a lot of shows and i want to start with one show um and then another re- i'll get into that and then another reason why i'm wearing this shirt today and we'll talk about that in a little bit but the show I want to talk about is on Netflix, and it's called Beef. It stars um, Ali Wong and Steven Yeun. I think that's his name. And it's a great show. It really is. It, it's about two people who are, you know, have their own thing going on. And like one road rage incident kind of like combines their stories, right? And it's I can feel for Steven Young's character and how it's just how, you know, everything, nothing goes right for him. And it's just, you know, him against the world in a way. But the reason I want to talk about it, because there's a big controversy surrounding one of the um, other actors involved with this show. Okay. And so I'm not sure if you're familiar with this controversy or not. I, I haven't heard of this. This is new for me, but any kind of controversy, I'm like. <laughs> and it's, it's, it's okay. So one of the actors, I think his name is like David Cho. And he's, uh, he just, he plays like um, Stephen Yeun's, whose character name is Danny. He plays Danny's cousin. And so he's like, you know, just a small part of the show. But I guess apparently some videos surfaced of him claiming that he raped a woman and that that's the only way now that he can become aroused or something like that. So it was disgusting. He said it was just like a shock comedy or something like that. But that's there's nothing funny about that. So now there's a whole like boycott beef movement going on. So I guess the the question I had for you and maybe for our audience out there is at what point does a minor character like that or something ruin the whole show for everyone else, for all the people who've worked hard on it, for all the other actors who, you know, who are to what we know are upstanding. And and it's just like, does one bad apple ruin the bunch? Yeah, Um, I, I think that when it comes to a small role like that, I haven't seen the show. So I don't know how big of a role he plays. Um, I, I'm more in the thought of probably like a director, producer, uh, studio holding them accountable versus, well, I shouldn't say holding them accountable, but like holding them accountable in the fact that like I'm not going to watch their product because they're they're the ones that their pockets are getting fatter by like me watching it. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if I want to ruin the whole cast, production crew, um and the you know directors because of some like small guy that has a couple lines on the show um so it depends on how big the role is if it was the main character i would say maybe but if it's some rando like that just has a couple lines i don't necessarily think that that ruins the show for me but i don't i would have to know like how big of a role we're talking about um how much screen time does he have um it kind of reminds me of of that zombie movie where they replaced the comedian with Tig Notaro, 
And that mm-hmm. role wasn't that big. So I guess it depends on how big the controversy is and how big the role is for them to recast. And a particularly like, when does the controversy come out? Is it before where they can actually do something like replace the character and refilm? Or is it too late? Is it already in a can? And, you know, they kind of have to just deal with it. Yeah, I think, well, his role, I've seen the first three or four episodes and I think he's had maybe less than five minutes screen time, right? So it's not major at all. Um, but maybe going in the rest of the season, he is, I don't know yet, but I think a controversy came up after the show was released. Cause I guess someone dug up, you know, they remembered hearing him on some podcasts, say these remarks, which were not, I don't think that's funny at all. I, I, but I guess, um, to say what you mentioned about the executive producers. Now I know Ali Wong and Steven Yeun are both executive producers on the show. So I'm waiting to see if they release some sort of announcement, you know, kind of saying, Hey, you know, we've heard about this stuff. We're taking appropriate actions. Maybe if they do have a season two, it will be recast. That role will be recast. So I don't know. Or if they come out in defense of him, which if they did that, then I would definitely be like, you know what? I don't have to watch it anymore. Yeah. I, I, to be honest, aside from the controversy, I have enough like traffic rage to to not want to have to sit through anything that has to deal with any sort of, you know, traffic. It's like, it's too close to home for me, for my reality. So I saw the first, like, what is it? Like maybe five or 10 minutes where Ali, is it Ali Wong? That she's like backing up her car and like almost Mm -hmm. the main Mm -hmm. character. And I was like, that is too close to what I go through on a daily basis for me to be interested to sit through. Like the veins are already like popping <laughs> my neck. So I was like, yeah, let me go watch something that's going to be more entertaining to me and less, you know, provoking. <laughs> it's a good show though. You should watch it. It really is. It, it, it I mean, uh, aside from maybe triggering you and, and whatnot, but it, it really is. I think it, it speaks to a lot to the human condition. You know, because we've yeah. all faced moments like that. And I think they capture it so well. Yeah, I, I guess there's certain times when I want to face the human condition. Uh, and certain times when I just want to be entertained. And yeah. right now, I was kind of in the entertainment part of it. Um, I actually, instead of watching that on Netflix, I tuned into uh, a movie called Chupa, which is short for Chupacabra. Uh, <laughs> Terrible so, short name. Yeah, that that's that that's the... well. Chupa in Spanish means like sucker and, and chupacabras yes, are yeah. like vampire type animals. Um, it actually was pretty, it was pretty good. It was like entertaining. It, 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 um, it is sort of like a little fantasy sci-fi that takes place in the United States. And then the character goes to, to uh, Mexico where they encounter las chupacabras and then uh finds this little small chupacabra and the whole family sort of comes together to help rescue uh christian slater is in it um bashir i forget his first name i want to say it's like george bashir uh he plays the grandfather mm. the grandfather is an old lucha uh lucha libre wrestler um nice. so that's like a really cool funny aspect of it um and it's it's a you know it's a good tale like i love that it's it's about a mexican family and how they come together um and kind of defend uh, this chupacabra from being destroyed by the like evil scientist. Um, so it's pretty good. I would recommend it. It's a good family film for sure. Also has like that ET aspects, you know, where they're protecting the mythological alien or the creature. 
Yeah, exactly. It's it's kind of sort of a throwback to like those eighties movies that that like I mean it's not you know the the most it's not going to win an Academy Award, but it definitely is entertaining. <laughs> well, you know, it entertains you, so that's good. Didn't make you think or trigger you anyway. So yeah, yeah. The other movie that I saw that was pretty much just like eye candy was the Super Mario movie. Um, I didn't really go in there with high expectations of I'm going to be overly entertained. Like what kind of plot could they possibly have for the Super Mario Brothers? But um, the special effects were good. I mean, there were certain scenes that like it looked super real. Like I it looked like Brooklyn. It looked like New York. Um, And then there's obviously the fantasy element where it's just completely absurd and and, you know, pipes that have plants that are coming out or whatever. But um, again, it was an escape from the reality that is the human condition, the opposite of beef, where you could just go in, get a top <laughs> popcorn, watch a bunch of shiny things on screen, move around and be entertained. And, and it did its job. Okay. Okay. So it sounds like human condition is the main theme of this show, <laughs> of this <Okay>. episode. <laughs> Well, speaking of human condition and um, the reason why I'm wearing this shirt, and you can get a clue here if I take my glasses off and put them back on. Any hint of what it's going on with that? Probably not. Uh, you're doing your Seth Rogen impersonation? <laughs> well, yes, besides that. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, besides seth rogan um today is i guess when we're recording this episode it is the superman's 85th anniversary so i wore you know super super jew shirt seth rogan inspired yes good catch um but yeah it's 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 i saw that and i was like wow he's been around for 85 years so the old man is still getting it done and he's an yeah. alien and he experiences the human condition in a way. Um, and he, and I, it always gets me that a pair of glasses is his disguise. Right. And yeah. it's just like, how is that even possible that they don't recognize someone with glasses on or off? Yeah, it's, it's really silly, but again, it's just fun. It's like when you want to be entertained, um, Superman is, definitely uh iconic show um and uh so there's respect when it comes to that and just for the optimism that he has um that he has faced like probably every threat under the universe and still is optimistic (laughs) um still is not a pessimist and and is out there trying to save the lives of human beings even Mm -hmm. though we're oftentimes you know not the coolest of people but um that's what what i think of superman i just think of like pure optimism and uh, you know, being a hero, even though it may not be the easiest thing to do. Yeah, I got a email from DC, which was what remind, sparked the interest for me for that. And it had a cool uh, graphic, which I'll show right here, maybe. And it just said it had Superman flying and, and behind him, it had the word hope. So I thought that was like a perfect for what you were just saying, the optimism. Mm-hmm. And I think hope is that perfect word for what he um, yeah. brings to the table. Now, um, my favorite yeah. Superman. Oh, go ahead. I was just going to ask that. Oh, okay. <laughs> I, I read your mind. No, my favorite Superman, probably the first one I remember, which would be Christopher Reeve. 
Superman the movie. And that's just like, uh, to me, he was the embodiment of Superman, even after in his in his own personal life, post, you know, his trauma with his accident and whatnot, he was the embodiment of hope and, and moving forward and willing the body to move on, even if it's as much as it's taken a toll on him. What about you? Um, I would probably have to say Henry Cavill is my favorite Superman. Um, I think he's the most recent, well, one of the most recent versions of Superman. There's a couple of TV shows that have come out that have different Superman, Superman. Uh, but I think that he's a pretty good representation of the physical representation of Superman. Yeah, I, I can I can agree with that. Yeah. Uh, the movies, maybe not so much. I think my my favorite movies probably are the Christopher Reeve movies, uh, just because of the nostalgia factor uh, mm -hmm. of watching them as a kid. Uh, you know, the soundtrack, the you know, the iconic score up for yeah. Superman. Um, this takes you right back to childhood. Yeah, and music can definitely do that, and especially film scores. Like I think, especially John Williams, right? Superman, Indiana Jones, Star Wars, and you just hear just like even the first few notes of like the Superman score. You know, it, it takes you right back to when you were younger and watching the movie, and you know exactly what's going to happen. And yeah, so music is so powerful for that, and film scores are such a great way of achieving that. Right. Which is cool that we're talking about film scores because um, in this week's conversation here in Pop Cult X, we were um, lucky enough to chat with someone who does now in his career. He does work on film scores. So we sat down with Jaime Morales of Planet Mischief. And you know what? Let's just go ahead and watch that. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Pop Cult X Little Talks. It's our conversation series where we chat with a wide variety of creative-minded people. Today, we are joined by Jaime Morales, a musician, um, teacher, uh, film score producer, um, and everything creative in that realm, which is very exciting to me because I always love interacting with musicians. I think you guys are just so creative um, to create something out of nothing, and it just blows your mind. So, Jaime, welcome to Pop Cult X. Hey, thanks a lot. Thanks for having me, guys. Really appreciate it. Yeah, so um, your partner at Planet, Mi Planet Mischief, Shannon, um, mm -hmm. kind of just, you know, introduced us here. So I'm thankful for her for doing that. But um, other than that, I don't really know too much about you and your career there, Jaime. So why don't you go ahead and give us like your a rundown of like, who is Jaime Morales? What makes Man. him tick? How, how, how far back do you want me to go? <laughs> well, as far back as you want to take us. <laughs> uh, well, I guess I guess it's relevant if I'd say that I, I, I was born in El Salvador. Um, very cool. And I'm not going to go through my whole history. But <laughs> let's just say that at a very young age, around seven or so, back in 1982, I came up here with my family, you know, escaping the civil war down there and all that. Okay. Um, and how I got into music. Well, I mean, I don't come from a, a family of musicians, although there, you know, there's a lot of people that even though they didn't do it professionally, were very musically inclined and you know, artistic mm -hmm. people. Um, but anyway, so when I got here, uh, I was introduced to the choir uh, in fourth grade. And uh, nice. <laughs> that got me started on reading music. And then sixth grade, I picked up a trumpet, ninth grade drums. And then I started that's basically what took me into the whole 
you know, my love affair with music. So <laughs> very cool. <laughs> yeah. um, Looking back at your youth, can you remember a particular album or CD or cassette tape or whatever it may have been that really got you into music where you listened to it and thought, man, this is really cool. This is what I want to do. I mean, honestly, I, it, it really goes back to when I was very young, like I, before I came up here. Um, it's the music that my mom and my dad listened to, my brother and sister's role, which includes disco um, <laughs> and all that stuff from back in those days. And uh, um, I, I, I just have fond memories of listening to that kind of stuff. And um, so it was it's, it's either Spanish music, classical music, and then some of the English stuff that we were listening to back then, you know, the Bee Gees and, you know, uh, ABBA and groups. Like that. that's, that's the stuff that I remember. But a specific artist, um, I'll, I'll say this. Uh, when when I was still in El Salvador, my, my parents always listened to, I don't know if you know who Pedro Infante is. He's a, He's a Mexican singer. Um, mm-hmm. He was. And uh, that man's voice was in my household all the time. <laughs> so that's, I, I remember when I was little, my um, my dad and my brother would play guitar and they would have me sing. You know, and that's really what introduced me. to. So I would say it was it was, it was a combination of Pedro Infante and a, a, a young singer at the time. Uh, his name was Pedro Fernandez. <laughs> Pedrito Fernandez. He was a little kid. And like every little kid, you know, my age at that time, you know, all their parents wanted them to be just like that kid. So <laughs> we would all be singing those songs. You know, they'd be playing, I'd be singing. Um, but yeah, I, I would say that it was those two that they really, uh, I really en- ended up enjoying singing along, you know, to my brother and my father playing guitar. And uh, but it was their music, so you know. Um, but once I got here. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Um, I would say, I mean, look, I, I was introduced to classical music at an early age, um, but I would say in sixth grade, I, I joined the orchestra um, in my middle school as a trumpet player. Nice. And that really is what sparked my, you know, my desire to want to to become a, a professional musician at some point in my career. I didn't know exactly what, but I know I wanted to play. Um, actually, I wanted to play French horn. I didn't want to play trumpet. Um <laughs> But, <laughs> but um, because, uh, so, well, I've always loved the sound of the French horn, but um, there weren't any more French horns available, so I ended up playing trumpet. And uh, I love it because it's an instrument that really took me different places, you know. Um, and then once I got to high school, I'll say that that's when I really got into the harder stuff, like you know, the metal and, you know, bands. So, so obviously bands like Iron Maiden and Metallica were my biggest influences. Um, and on the other side, uh, I, w- I would say <laughs> my friends still make fun of me uh, for this, but I was a, a big fan of Yanni at, at a very early age. So, <laughs> <laughs> so that's, uh, that's where I, I keep my classical side, you know, and guys like Harry yeah. Connick Jr. is, you know, Sinatra mm-hmm. and all stuff. But, um, but yeah, I'm not sure if I answered your question or not. Yeah. I'm just no, yeah, you back did. In my memory bank. Here. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. That That's cool. I mean, so, um, listening to then in during high school and you know you found heavy metal right mm-hmm. so that was like your your source i'm sure of, of just expressing your feelings right so i mean oh, yeah. that's how i see heavy metal how have you used that as an influence for what you've created later on in your life 
as within Planet Mischief and all the bands that you've now joined and also formed? Well, the first band that I started uh, was in ninth grade um, with my one of my closest friends. Um, he's still my friend now. To, to this day, we still work together <laughs> um, on on stuff. Uh, but you know, he doesn't do, do music full time. But um, he's still a very he's an excellent guitar player and, and, and guitar. Uh, he writes really great. But anyway, I'll go back to what your question was. <laughs> Heavy metal um, was well my first band was a heavy metal band and that band was with, with this person his name is frank lima he's he's uh like i said still my friend and um someone that i still work with and um the music that we wrote was very aggressive it was melodic um very melodic uh <laughs> and <laughs> they tended to be songs that were you know in the longer range so we you know, usually nine to 10 minutes long, 11 minutes long, which is not, you know, something that you're going to hear on the radio very often. Um, so a lot of music, a lot of musicality. And um, yeah, heavy metal was definitely the place I started. Um, mm -hmm. Because I I also played trumpet, um, I also ended up playing a lot of Latin bands and, you know, uh, jazz bands and stuff like that. So, uh, but yeah, the Definitely the first thing I did was start a heavy metal band. So <laughs> we, you, you, we're trying to be the next Metallica, you know. <laughs> you played the drums, is that correct? In the yes, band? that's my primary instrument. So how, in 11-minute songs, how did your arms hold up? I mean, my goodness, I think just imagine playing drums for like three minutes is exhausting to me. <laughs> well, and well, I was what? 14 and you know a a properly trained drummer will tell you oh technique man technique technique okay, okay. i am not a properly trained <laughs> drummer um so i i uh i caveman everything so i definitely <laughs> had to have good cardio in order to be able to play that kind of stuff um trust me i try to play that stuff now and and i yeah no <laughs> i do it it's just not as easy as it was when I was 14, 13 years old. Yeah. I, yeah. I hear, I think of um, Dave Grohl and in his mm -hmm. book, he wrote about how he used to just pound on everything. And that's yeah. because that's how he learned. He taught himself with pillows. So, right. I mean, yeah. is, is that how something like what you said, you just used to go for it? Yeah. I mean, when I was, when I was a kid, this is before coming up here. Yeah. I, I, I didn't know I wanted to be a drummer, but I, you know, like I said, my brother and my father would play guitar and I would sing, but sometimes I just listen to music and, and like Dave Grohl, actually, uh, I was listening to disco. So he mm -hmm. actually comes out and says his favorite drummers are are disco drummers, funk right. and disco drummers. Right. Mm -hmm. um, they influenced his playing. And um, I'm not going to say that they influenced my playing, but that's the kind of stuff that I was playing to because gotcha. the other stuff, the, the you know, the, the, the Spanish music didn't really have drum parts i mean they did but you know not stuff that i wanted to play right now the disco stuff was more upbeat and you know it made you want to move and stuff so yeah i would definitely <laughs> sit there with pillows set up or pots and pans like everybody says you know so i did that for sure that's cool yeah did um i guess how now fast forward a little bit you created this planet mischief right which um I know a little bit about, but maybe you can explain a bit to our sure. audience. What is Planet Mischief all about? I know it's a film produce or uh, music production mm -hmm. company, but yeah. so can you give us so, a little more details about it? Sure. Well, I'll tell you how it started. Um, 
with with Frank, my friend Frank, we started. Um, I ended up starting a hip hop band, and I met this guy. He's a, another really good friend of mine. His name is Fernando, um, and he he's a rapper, and he was he was trying to you know find a band to go and perform live with. He didn't want to do the traditional DJ thing, you know, and, and a rapper thing. So mm-hmm. I saw his ad on Craigslist, and I think it was Craigslist. That was in the early two thousands. I think depends what era was. Yeah, yeah, it might have been the, re- been the recycler or something like that. But I, I saw the ad, and I remember, um, you know, we we got in touch, and we, I ended up writing all writing out all the parts for the for the music that he was going to perform to. Um, he already had like five or six songs, and and um, basically, I took what he already had and I orchestrated it so. You know, I can give the guitar player his parts and bass player their parts. Mm-hmm. And anything that we weren't playing was being played with a sequencer. So anyway, the loops that I created and the music that I created that went onto the sequencer um, when we were performing live were the beginning of Planet Mischief. What happened okay. there was um, when that band broke up, um, I had all these loops. <laughs> and I'm like, you know what? I'm going to put some more loops together. And I put a little compilation of loops and I started selling them on eBay. Oh, um, okay. Yeah. And then the name Planet Mischief, uh, that's, 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 I don't remember exactly um, how I came up with the name, <laughs> but, <laughs> but it has a lot to do with uh, the mischief part is really um, the way, especially the way we see it now. It's like the mischief is that, see if I, if it makes sense the way I'm going to put it, um, you know how everyone is doing what they consider to be like the, bad boy rock and roll thing you know it's like mm-hmm. we're doing things differently and not to say that we're like straight edge or anything like that but um we are uh we're trying to take a different approach when it comes to professionalism and music and you know uh i, I always use an example how you talk to Lionel messi you know i don't know if you know Lionel yeah. messi yeah. Okay. right um if you talk to those guys, you never hear about them or Tom Brady in American football or whatever that they they have these standards that they have to maintain. Yeah. You know, in order to be able to to be successful in what they do. And um and if you look, you know, in different uh activities, sports or whatever, um people at the top of their game, they're not, you know, abusing substances and doing all sorts of stuff that are, you know the rock life dictates yeah. that you should mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. um so you know my thing has always been to say well maybe we had that same approach you know it, it would be different so when i've brought this up to other people especially people who are really hardcore into the whole you know lifestyle thing um they kind of, kind of like oh, whatever man what are you talking about you're crazy and then to <laughs> me that's like the mischievous side of it you know yeah uh, uh Sorry, I, I, I got gotcha. you a lot. So no, it's fine. But, um, <laughs> I got <gotcha. laughs> you. So it's like it's like the the anti Motley Crue type of feel, feeling exactly, to it, right? So, exactly. so you're and not to say that I don't like those guys. I mean, I, I right. do. You know, I grew up with that stuff, but you know, I, I I figure I need all the help I can get, so I can't really do the stuff that they did. You know, um, if I want to be on top of my game, you know what I mean? Gotcha. And, I, and like I said, I, I see professional athletes, and they're not doing that stuff, and. Mm-hmm. You know, while they're uh, on top of their game, they don't do it. David Beckham was one of those guys. He there's a documentary where he talks about how he, you know, throughout his whole career, he was unable to and was not able to enjoy, you know, going out and partying with his friends because, you know, 
Yeah, the consequences and the image and and his performance and all that. And in the documentary, he's retired and he's talking about how he's drinking a pint of Guinness and he's like, This is the first pint of beer that I've had, you know, in my whole career. I've drank before, but this is the first time I've gotten to enjoy one in a very long time because now I'm retired and no one's here to tell me that I can't have it. Uh, (laughs) So, um, so that you know, that inspires uh, my my point of view on those things. Um, that's cool. And then to get back to the loop thing, um, yeah, uh, that's what started Planet Mischief. It it, be, it started off with a library of loops that um, I was selling on eBay. I made a second volume. Um, and then after that, I just kind of kept the name around until I met Shannon. The name was still around. Well, actually, when she and I met, we didn't work on music right away. Um, but it was... Uh, 19 wow 2017 2016 when we reconnected and we started working together okay and you know i I was like i've always had this name you know i have the (laughs) website i have the url for it and let's go and she loved the name as well so you know that's what it's become now it's just more of a a full-on music production company which includes and (laughs) includes uh film scoring and things like that um you know writing for tv writing for for film writing for all media really um yeah there's another side to it as well which is the the live performance side but that's kind of taking a back seat because yeah. of you know working with people like uh, you've met eric yeah you know um so you know when this stuff comes up it's like wow i mean <laughs> we gotta put her full into it so was that transition easy for you with your classical music background to go from, you know, rock and roll to being a, a film scorer? I mean, I could, I imagine it must have been a little different, but also at the same time, you're like, oh, yeah, this is what I love about classical music because I can mm-hmm. put the emotion into it with just no words needed. Well, the I, I would say the only thing that would be that would have been difficult as far as transition goes is uh learning how to use the tools uh for instance we've we've been writing music which is you know sometimes it's electronic sometimes it's electronic you know fusion which includes mm-hmm. uh, classical elements you know a string orchestra or just a piano or whatever um but now with film scoring we have to learn how to work with that side uh the, the video side you know um so there's tools and so that's probably the only thing that's been really difficult but as far as the writing goes i mean it, especially if, i mean i i can't really speak for shannon i know she has her her own story like method and, or something. Mm-hmm. yeah but um no and, and i mean as far as the influences go like i i was a kid and i i remember like Bill Conti, you know, and, and composers like Ennio Morricone, you know, as a kid, you know, recognizing that, that they were doing this thing behind moving pictures, <laughs> you know, and it just it, it added so much to the film. Uh, as a kid, I didn't know such a thing as a film score, but right. the older I got, you know, the more I got into music, the more I realized, hey, that's something that I would really love to do. And it was really uh, Danny Elfman who, mm. like, you know, that's where it clicked for me. I was like, wow, that's what I want to do. Yeah. I, I want to be a film composer, you know, at some point in my life, I would, I would like to be a film composer. <laughs> that's cool. Yeah. Now, I guess, um, I lost my train of thought when you said Danny Elfman. <laughs> uh, <laughs> is there like a particular Danny Elfman um, score that really is like stands out to you? That's like your favorite 
I mean, the first thing I heard by him was the Batman film score, the, the original Batman with mm-hmm. Jack Nicholson. Um, well, the original for my era. <laughs> for us, <laughs> um, yeah. For, yeah, you, you guys as well. Um, uh, so I would say that, uh, but I mean, the Beetlejuice soundtrack, that was a great one. Um, Edward Scissorhands, that was great. And then obviously The Nightmare Before Christmas was like, mm. you know, the ultimate for me. Um, but yeah, I think definitely the Batman, the first Batman, uh, that score. The second score was pretty much the same thing. They just added a few new things, you know, um, <laughs> that that just to fit in Danny DeVito, I guess. But <laughs> but um, and then after that, it wasn't Elfman and, and Tim Burton anymore. So you know, right. that kind of ended there. But like I said, Edward Scissorhands and and uh, Beetlejuice, great scores. You mean it wasn't The Simpsons? <laughs> no, and you know what? I remember a friend told me, "Hey, uh, you like Danny Elfman? Did you know that he scored?" the music for the, for the Simpsons and I'm like I looked up you know back in those days we didn't have mm-hmm. all the search <laughs> engines I mean we did but it took forever to find out and I found out about his I believe his first work as a film scorer or as a scorer was uh, a show called Family Dog and I didn't know anything about that show and I actually started you know looking it up and I should probably do that now because I'm sure it's on all over the internet now but back then it wasn't and I, I right. just wanted to to hear that and i hear i did hear the music and it sounded kind of like the simpsons okay. so i saw that was that was the, the beginning of his career i guess you know um but yeah uh the simpsons i know it's it's i don't know if he scores the whole thing but i know that it's definitely the theme song intro yeah the theme yeah, song, the yeah. Intro song. um but yeah that and uh like i said nightmare before christmas and you know i've pretty much loved all his scores and even the the men in black scores man those are great the, the the main thing the theme song from Man in Black is is great. Yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, yeah, that has that those elements of classical traditional classical score and and it has like synthesizers and things like that, which is what Hans Zimmer does nowadays. But you know, and that's another great guy. By the way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Is there a particular genre of film that that really inspires you that you want to maybe be involved more with? For example, when I think of film scores, I think of like horror movie film scores like Friday the 13th, Halloween, Nightmare on Elm Street. Those are the like the film scores that like I, I really think of. Yeah. Um, is there anything that like you're particularly um, inspired by when it comes to film? Um, inspired by, I mean, aside from Danny Elfman, I would say the Ennio Morricone stuff, you know, the, all the spaghetti westerns. Um, and it's funny you mentioned. Uh, I believe you, you did say Friday the 13th, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, so Friday the 13th. Um, I remember seeing the third one, and I'm, I'm not I'm not a big slasher movie guy. I do like them, but I'm not like I have friends who are like obsessed with them. <laughs> um, but I remember seeing that, and I don't know if it's if if the song plays at the beginning of the movie, but it definitely plays in the credits. But it's kind of it has this upbeat kind of disco feel to it. I don't know if you guys look it up, like. Uh, you know what I'm talking about but every time I bring that song up people say people have told me it's like how how do you even know about that song it's, it's you know it's 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 not even an important song you know <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but it's it's so catchy and it's a song that's always stayed in my head um when I started experimenting writing electronic music um 
I wanted to create something that sounded like that. And I, oh man, I wish I had access to that right now. And I'll show you what I'm talking about. But <laughs> that that made me, um, it inspired me to write some electronic stuff, which is it's cool. interesting because it's not film scoring, but we do use electronic stuff in film scoring. So, yeah. you know, but yeah, Friday the 13th, I would say it was, it's that specific song at the end when the credits are rolling of the third one, Friday the 13th okay. part three. <laughs> I'll yeah. have to look that up. That's cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that'd be fun. Did you say something, Gabe? I think I talked the same time as you did. No, no, no. You're good. Okay. Oh. <laughs> well, I have one last question for you. So when sure. I picture when I picture people doing film score, and I guess it's just how it's portrayed in like movies and film, I picture like a musician sitting at their piano and they see the big screen with the film playing on it. And then they're, they see the action going on in there. And they're just like, you know, feeling the mood and creating it more with the music. Is that, is that, is that accurate? Is that how you do it? Is that how it rolls for you? In huge budget films? Yes. Okay. <laughs> the composer will sit there with his giant screens. You know, he's, got, uh, he's got like symphony markers and everything telling them exactly when he should be putting stuff down. Um, I don't know if those guys do the pen and paper thing anymore. Cause I, I mean, yeah, I'm sure in the old days he would sit at a piano mm-hmm. and be like, okay, this works perfect. You know, C sharp minor, blah, blah, blah. You know, it's, he's writing it all out. The way we do it is we, ha- we, we have a monitor in front of us and we have a smaller window. Actually with Shannon's setup, we do have multiple monitors. So one of the monitors will have the video, okay, uh, the footage and we're syncing it to audio so um it's so similar. similar yeah similar uh we sure, just don't not? have the actual piano there in pen and paper <laughs> but yeah we're, we're, we're taking advantage of modern technology to do you know to right on. so yeah but yeah it's it's kind of like that you know yeah I, maybe one day we'll have the you know the hans Zimmer thing. <laughs> that'd be fun you <laughs> yeah that'd be great get a full 50-piece orchestra in there and just creating magic yeah yeah well i mean they still do that i know that um we we Obviously, we can't go and hire a 50-piece orchestra. We can't go and get the London Phil to record something for us. But the virtual instruments that are out now are, are so, so good. It's very realistic-sounding instruments. And um, if you know what you're doing, you can make you can make just about anything, you know, on a computer yeah. nowadays, you know. So, yeah, yeah it's, but it's interesting. Very cool. Well, um, I like to ask all our guests. We are a pop culture podcast or a YouTube sure. show. So what are you currently watching, currently listening to, currently reading that maybe you can share with our, our audience? Currently watching? Um, my my son got me into the good place. Uh, a lot of people have been telling me, you got to watch it. You got to watch it. So Only my son and I will... shirt balls. Yeah. Oh, Yeah. <laughs> We actually, right before I came on here, um, I was downstairs watching. We, we do two episodes every Tuesday, so, you know. Oh, cool. And everyone's like, "Well, how can you just watch two? It's such a great show. You have to binge watch <laughs> this whole thing." Um, so that's I'm, I'm watching that, um, and I, you know, I tend to watch a lot of military stuff. Like I just finished watching The Pacific and uh, Band of Brothers again. I watched oh, those okay. a few times. And Generation Kill. Um, let's see. What am I listening to? Right now, uh, and I, I blame Shannon for this. I've been listening to a lot of Opeth um, and Metallica because of the new album that just came out. So, 
Um, and as far as reading goes, I went back to a book I, I love. And I think either my wife or Shannon, some one of them, I should remember who gave it to me, but give me. Where is it? Where did I oh, it's downstairs. Uh, uh, it's it's actually a book on General Mattis, uh, United States Marine Corps General Mattis. He was retired. Um, and, and the book is called, sorry? Uh, Mad Dog, Mad Dog Mattis, right? Mad, Mad, Mad Dog Mattis, well, chaos, <laughs> but yeah. Um, he's, uh, I was reading his book and I started reading it again, you know, um, so that's what I'm reading right now. Very cool. Mm-hmm. Very cool. Well, I mean, it's great for you to join us. Thank you so much. It's great getting to learn a little bit more about you. I look forward to, um, seeing what you guys create for, like you mentioned, Eric Shapiro's movie Tightser coming up. So I'm looking forward to hearing the score that you guys create for that. I know that's yeah, we're looking forward to that. On. Yeah, there's a couple um, projects with him, so it it should be it should be interesting. I'm not sure what I'm allowed to talk about yet, but <laughs> <laughs> but you obviously know about tights there, so yeah, we'll, we'll go with that one. We'll go with that one because that's the one Eric told us about. Exactly. So we'll go with that. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, yeah, that's the thing. Thanks so much for having me, man. This this was fun. Uh, thanks again, Jaime, for for spending some time with us tonight and or today or you know in the internet. It doesn't matter what time or day it is, but thanks again for spending some time with us to chat about your career in Planet Mischief. Mischief. We appreciate that. Yeah, thank you once again. (laughs) Now, um, one last question for you. And once I remember what I was going to say, I'll let you know. Uh, Old age is a bitch. <laughs> it, it really is. You know, forget the question. I don't remember what it was. Um, I had it. Darn it. That's annoying. <laughs> anyway. um, okay, well, I don't have anything else. What about you? Yeah, I think I think we're good. That wraps up this week. Uh, definitely check us out for next week when we'll have another special guest. Um, and we will bring more pop culture news, more controversies related to pop culture, more music, more books, more comic books, uh, etc. So uh, please like and subscribe, leave comments, do all the different stuff that you can do in order to help us out. We appreciate it. Thank you, everyone. Stay safe. <laughs>